Hello and welcome back to episode 13 of the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin. This is Chris Madison. We've got a broad variety of topics to go and cover this week. A great response to last week's podcast with Marty on as a special guest. Thanks very much. I've got to say that the listens every episode keep going up, which is fantastic. Thanks for supporting the podcast. So it's another week of surviving coronavirus in the UK and lockdown. It's been extended for three weeks. Um, and the rest. Yeah, I mean, they're only going to do it three weeks at a time. I had a couple of people on Facebook um, who are rather... Uh, well, I can only describe them as dim, who were genuinely astonished. They thought that this was oh, the end of the three weeks, it was all going to go back to normal, and they were furious, and I couldn't put a couple of people on mute. I've got not a great relationship with <laughs> a lot of things on Facebook at the moment. Yeah. But was a, three weeks, and well, hopefully another three weeks, and they might ease a few things, you know. In three weeks' time, you might get, like, you know, your McDonald's opening for takeout orders only, you know, a, a few moves towards reality. Ah, you know what they'll do there, though? They'll only open drive-through and we can't get through, so... Yeah, what I saw was... Uh, it was either a Canadian or an American McDonald's which had instructions at the door saying it's a drive-through only open, truck drivers phone this number and we'll tell you what to do. Which is what they need to do for that because, yeah, things are... People are being antagonised. Coffee is still winding people up this week because... Oh, that's a, a messy... Uh, my husband was on a 15-hour night shift and he was refused a coffee in the services and he was really tired and I'm like, yeah, well, why didn't he have his own coffee stuff? <laughs> it was my first mm. thing. But yeah, the key worker thing is frustrating a lot of people um, because they started off with a bit of, oh, some people can get, some drivers' places can get coffees and others can't and they're saying it's only for emergency services in the NHS. But the thing is, there's not going to be anybody for the emergency services of the NHS coming to the services to get coffees, whereas you're potentially going to get hundreds of drivers. Aye. And if you're going to go down the key worker route, I mean, truck mechanics are also there for key workers because they're keeping it going. Mm-hmm. And Indeed. so are the people that gut chickens and put them on the shelves and all yep. that. The difference Aye, boys. Make, uh, the difference with guys that are working in the mechanics, they can go out into their canteen whenever they want and go and make their lunch. Uh, and they can also say, oh, I feel a bit of rumbling downstairs. I'm going to go and sit in the toilet for 10 minutes and look at Instagram. Nice. But you can't do that in a truck, which is why it's all different scenarios. It's a different set of circumstances. So, right. yes. You would think that flask manufacturers would be having a surge in orders, <laughs> wouldn't you, by now? You would After think a month of this. A, a flask everywhere, but there's still like people, oh, I can't get an hot meal anywhere. Yeah. Oh, I'm starving. And I'm like, well, you know. All right. Food, um, flask, microwave, stove, pan. There you go. It's called camping. It's just camping in a wagon. It is. Oh, the toilet campaign keeps going on, but we keep getting... I'm getting frustrated with it because I keep getting, like, I get complaints about things. I'm like, oh, we've been denied access to our toilet and it's a disgrace. And they said, absolutely, we could not use the toilet. So then I go and send them an email and then... <laughs> then he's showing me a cup with Hubert Cumberdale on it. From Salad Fingers, yeah. Hubert Cumberdale, you stop that noise at once, young man. <laughs> it's the only friend I've got now, because I haven't seen any of my other friends for a month. Oh, I saw John Tawley queuing outside the co-op yesterday, the Turbo Legend. I came out the co-op, he was the oh, next man in. So said, he messaged John. me this morning. What was I talking about there before you interrupted me with Hubert Cumberdale? I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know. I got to sleep at three o'clock this morning, because I was sitting playing GTA, and I just didn't feel tired. I don't know why. Mm. And then I woke up to do this podcast, and I was like, oh. John Torley messaged me something about something. I've been ignoring all the messages. Not I'm being ignorant. I've been ignoring all the messages on Truck and Driver and Facebook and everything on a Saturday night because you get a lot of them on Saturday night. People sit and get like a... Some of them are really lovely messages saying you're doing a fantastic job, which is nice, and I really genuinely Mm. appreciate that. But you also get the odd angry message, and if I get an angry message on Saturday night telling me I'm horrendous and I'm not doing hmm. what I'm supposed to be, then it'll ruin my weekend. Have <laughs> you had any more word stealing. search death threats? Uh, no, that's all quiet, but you do occasionally oh, get the thing like, you know, what's the point of all of this? Why have you only picked this up now? And I'm like, well, you know, national pandemic. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yep. John texted me about turbochargers. Mm. That's his area of expertise, you know, that and beer. I was lead engineer at home. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to have to look back at that. Aye. Aye. What was I talking about? Yeah. I can't remember. He knows his onions. Um, 
I don't know. I'm sorry about the Hubert Cumberdale point. No, it was very funny. I like Hubert Cumberdale and Mm. Salad Fingers. It's very entertaining. Mm. Uh, Oh, yes, what it was, you get people complaining and they're like, we weren't allowed to access toilets. So I'll I'll then go and send an email with all the stuff on it to somebody and they'll come back to me and then I might phone them and discuss it. And they're like, no, no, what's happened is we've shut the toilets on one side of the place, but there are toilets which have hot Mm. water and everything in them, but you have to walk 200 yards to get to it. And I'm like, right, so you do have toilets on site? Yes, it's just that that guy wanted to use the ones that were right in front of him. And I'm like... Yeah. Um, 30 stone Derek couldn't be bothered shuffling like, 200 uh, yards down you where. To, right? You know, if there's a, a, an immaculate right. toilet 200 yards away and they've actually put a portable toilet with hand sanitizer in it right in front of you in case you're desperate and then you could walk 200 mm-hmm. yards and use the hot water, I think that's all right, you know. I'm like, don't... Uh, don't get into th- the, I don't get into things like that. Gr- Good Morning uh, Britain contacted me last Sunday night, mm-hmm. uh, and they did contemplate getting me on the show, but they always want somebody who's driving right now, and I've said I'm not driving at the moment. Um, and they did think about it, because I was like, I've got hundreds of stories I can tell you, you know, I'm like the conduit for all this that's coming through. But none of the programmes ever want to get me on. I was trying to text Jeremy Vine, the Jeremy Vine show on Radio 2 this week, because they were talking about the truck drivers can't use the services, and which obviously is a problem, but I'm getting tired of the fact that the independent truck stops just aren't getting the recognition mm. that they deserve because there's so many of them doing a fantastic job. The facilities are immaculate. They're providing hot food. They're losing money or they're making far less yeah. money than they did yeah. before because the foot falls down. And nobody, nobody's mentioning it uh, anywhere in the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to keep banging on about that, you know. Support your independence. Mm. Have you ever used an app called Motorway Buddy? That sounds like a gay dating site. Well, I'll tell you, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's an app that tells you where all the truck stops are in the UK. So you can search by postcode and you can search by route. And I used to use it a lot. Um, when I knew roughly where I'd be going, I'd check all the truck stops around in the area. I'd maybe phone forward a bit. And I found it was really, really useful. So, aye. That's um, a marvellous name, Motorway Buddy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't Google that to set up this, innit? I'm not Googling I mean, it. I, know you. Take it. Well, I mean, you're, you've been out and about and mm. still out working and everything this week, and I've been in the house for about the fourth week in a row, so yeah. I, I spend more time on social media than I ever have. And what I've discovered is, see if you go, I'd recommend anybody to do this, go and find your local village pages, like the local area ones. I'm banned. Uh, and the, go and find the one in the next village over. They're an absolute riot because you get like old Sandra that's posting all the conspiracy theories and the fake news. Mm. And then you get like, you know, Norman who just, in Scotland, it's very, if you want to go and start an argument, post something like on a Scottish village page, like, uh, oh, I'm glad to see Boris Johnson's doing well, or post something like really pro SNP. And it just kicks off. It just kicks mm. off straight away. I saw this morning, there's ah, a couple yeah. of guys who have been, uh, a couple of local junkies that have been perceived to be doing something, like stealing something. So they've been naming and shaming them. And these women are like, why can't we post their picture on here? We need to post their home addresses and everything. And I'm like, well, they haven't been acute. They haven't been charged with anything. That's like a violation of things. Yeah. You know, if you're allowed to do that, and then it's just allowed for somebody, it means that, Anybody who's got a grudge against somebody else, you know, your ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend, I'm just going to go in here and say he was um, robbing charity boxes and then you can post their pictures online. It's just like lynch, lynch mob mentality. I'm like, you can't actually do that, Sandra, you know? Mm. Unless it's about Chris Packham, then you can say whatever you want. Yeah. Ah, somebody just um, posted on that. Somebody sent me a message saying, Chris Packham's on BBC Two. I knew you'd hate to miss it, expecting me to go and have a meltdown. Well, I'm ignoring you, Walker. I'm ignoring you. Right, sorry. Work. Oh, uh, trucks, something to do with lorries. Trucks, and by yeah. the way, before you get started on that, we need to talk about that Stralis that you had because of it. So what did Chris think of the Stralis? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Huh. Would you like to tackle a week in the big wide world, or would you like to tackle Stralis first? Because I'm easy. I've got my two. Uh, wide I'm world first, and then Stralis. Second. Wide world. What's... Well, it's not so wide at the minute, it's quite narrow. Um, has anything at all interesting happened at work this week, apart from the aircon fiasco moving up a cog? Uh, Steelworks have decided to reintroduce temperature testing, which is a farce. How they, they had a go. Well, 
on one of your many gates in and out you have to go through and out to swap a trailer you get stopped by a dirty looking little man in a grubby mask who sends you around a steel container with another dirty little man sitting in it with a thermometer you've got to jog across the big trailer park and stand by the window where dirty number two opens the window and zaps you with his little zapper and says ah, 26 you're all right i said do you really think this thermometer's working 26 <laughs> i said i could have been stabbed last night and spent the night on the carpet and when ducky from ncis comes and takes my core temperature i'd probably still be above that anyway i says that's pointless isn't it he says well as long as you're not above 38 says well i think i've got some scope there at 26 don't you so that thermometer's obviously working well so that's a pointless exercise anyway it keeps two miscreants off the streets at the minute but it just adds another 10 minutes of bollocking about in the steelworks the steelworks in its entirety needs to give its head a shake because the biosecurity measures where you sign in and you know all the shared biro and a bit of string and the mm. air force signing in pad there's me there's half of Warborough's fleet signing in. There's all kinds of folk in all kinds of tracksuit bottoms and clogs and all this. It's it's no good. So I've stopped signing in. If they don't like it, they can get me a little private signing in booth. Anyway, um, that's that little rant over with. Um, weather's been grand. Diesel prices are grand. Everything's grand apart from we can't go anywhere. Aircon gassed up last Friday night, as you know. Party on. Um, mm. By Monday afternoon, aircon's blowing warm again. So, uh, got back Friday, reasonably early Friday. So my my top operative Thomas at B and B plugged me in again, and we were back down to 120 grams in the system from 850. So plainly got a leak somewhere. So, vacked it out, and then let it fill, and then watched as it squirted hideous green oil all over the top of the engine. So, hmm. yeah, I managed to find a pipe a steel pipe on the low pressure side on the return side that have got a pinhole in it so um is it is it a daft pipe i don't actually know if it's a daft fitting this or whether it's a it's a cummings part anyway john masden who has an alias of god who now works at pelican engineering at normanton used to be down in uh, talks i think down there he just sort of said which one is it here's your part number crack on so i rang the clueless parts man on nights who was just there to you know, keep the cat company and gave him the part number. It is, it, it's on stock order, so it should be a Tuesday, so we can get that banged on, get gassed up again. Because obviously, I'm an aircon fiend. I, I like to be cold. Well, you better not go in there and be a bit hot, you know. What if it, what if we got a heat wave and it's 30 degrees and you're going to steel work sweating with no aircon and then his thermometer goes the opposite direction and tells you that you're 46 degrees? Well, it would be, you know, I thought about that. I could make a brew before I go in because I take a flask, me, you know. <laughs> I could make a brew and I could just hold it on my forehead for five minutes at traffic lights and then nip in and then see what his face does when he takes my temperature. It's 57. Aye. Probably like the fire alarms will start going off and you'll have like a sack thrown over your head and chucked in the back of a van. <sighs> really? I'll do mm. that tomorrow then. <laughs> sounds, like my, <laughs> sounds like being at Mason's. Probably. Oh, well. It's Unbelievably, really... I got invited to join Mason's about 10 years ago and I, uh, I looked into it and I thought, you know what, I think not. I think I'm probably not going to be rolling my trouser leg up in a funny church hall anytime soon. Yeah, that's a, a, different, uh, that's a different world, that, isn't it? Aye, well, I like a nice apron, but, you know, um, mine says Yorkshire tea on the front of it and I got it for Christmas 17 years ago and I've, I've made two lots of scones and a, and a beef stroganoff in it. I think that's different to having a little briefcase full of equipment. Mm. Aye, although I won't mind being Chief Buffalo or whatever there. Something to put on your CV. Oh. Anyway, I'm probably going to be murdered now by local Mason, so I'll leave this Only one. Only if they listen to the Truck and Driver podcast. They listen to everything, you know, through 5G network. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. I've covered the entire house in foil anyway this week, you know, nights when I've been home early. I've been bored and twitchy, so... The whole house is now foiled, so we're good. We can sell it, will I've changed my phone. You know you can change your phone's name on Bluetooth so it comes up with an identity. My phone's now mm. called 5G Testmast. <laughs> it's deadline week next week for Truck and Driver for the next issue. And I, I, I put a post on saying we wanted some trucks for a spread in the magazine and we got such a great response that we went away. And I suggested, I says, wouldn't it be good to do a poster for this? So 
Emma that works on the, the ads side went away and spoke to the truck manufacturers and they all came back and said they were going to support it. So we've now got an A2 post on the next issue with hundreds of trucks on it, which is what I'm going to do this evening because I'll need to get them all ready to get laid out on Monday because we've only got one day to do it. So I had a phenomenal response to that. So the next issue of Truck and Driver that comes out on... Friday the 1st of May, that's going to have a free poster in it with as many trucks as we can cram onto it. That's my halo there, look. Look at that, that's my halo. I'm guilt-free this month. I've given you two months' worth in one go. Two months of what? Random waffle in, uh, in print. You did, aye. Stralis. That I've Stralis. Yeah, because sometimes, so what do you think of it? I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to talk about that actually because... Well, they can read about that at some point, can't they? So I've done that. Yeah, it's in the next issue. I've given it like, well, the one after that I've got it in there because I've been planning... Because there's a bit of a concern that you'd run out of photo shoots because I've got an issue that I wanted to do all V8 engines. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to use some of them up. I've got a Scania 142T cab and a Bedford TM V8 Detroit that I don't want to use up yet. So I've got... But I've been doing some alternative things like looking into different features to go and do. <clears throat> Peter Davies is writing us the history of the DAF cab tech cab mm. and things going from 88 to 2020. So that's good. I'm just hoping, yeah, I'm hoping like after these three weeks that it would be eased just enough for us to maybe go and do, you know, the odd photo shoot here and there, which I don't think right. that's no worse. Sending our photographers to go and do a shoot on a truck and standing in a yard somewhere is no worse than the trucks going out and going into a bloody RPC anywhere. So hopefully. No, the- the David Bailey, uh, the David Bailey spec daughter, has been busy with her camera this last week, so I've sent you all her output. Yeah, we've got quite a few of those pictures in the this next coming issue. She likes taking pictures of that silver truck. I have to be honest, and she gets into some bloody funny positions to do it, dangling upside down out of trees and standing in ditches and lying on her face. Oh, Stralis. Yeah, Stralis, the big blue thing. Well, it mm. seems like a lifetime because I drove it. Those four days that I had it mm. were just before. All this kicked off, and um, everything went uh, went crazy. So it seems like a long, such a long time ago when I got when I had the truck. But I mean, obviously, my views on it are well known. I think I'm quite a fan of them. So how did you get on with it? Because you were a bit, you were a bit sceptical at the start of the week. Um, yeah. Well, it's like it's like this. To put it in simple terms, it's like the big lass that you wake up with on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and and what in, in what way? Well, it doesn't look nice particularly, especially in daylight, but by God does it go well. <laughs> That's all uh, I can say. It is possibly the ugliest truck I have ever seen. Um, no way, it is not. It is. They are it, hideous. They make MANs look attractive. It's awful, awful, awful. Everything no, about absolutely, that thing Absolutely not having that at all. Like. That god-awful boil that they've nailed on the sunroof, pretending to be a cab cooler, looks like it's going to slide off because the rake of the roof and the sunroof faces forwards. You don't have a flat roof. The front of the cab is scooped over like a bloody clamshell. It just looks horrible. And I looked at it from all angles, like you do, and I took pictures of it and sat up in bed and looked at it some more, and I thought, this is, is God, let's hope it goes better than it looks. And I um, I have to say, by God, does it go. It's like a silent rocket. Said that. They, don't, they, don't say, huh? they don't make anything of it. I said to, when I did the interview for Stavros on his YouTube channel, I mentioned it, and I was like, if that engine was fitted to a Scania, people yeah. would be going losing their mind over it They'd be, this would be the best thing ever but Iveco are just so quiet over it they don't make much of the fact that they've got this thing that's so it's, much performance is that quiet inside that you think it's faffing about and you think bloody thing will you just pick your you know pick your skirts up and get on and then you look down and you just don't limit it and you think hell fire and I thought right well I'll uh, I'll soon square you up 13 litre we'll, we'll sort you out and um First time I hit um, Doddoth Bank 37 on M1 on my way up to Leeds, I thought, right, we'll sort you out last. Just ignored it pretty much. I think it might have dropped to about 52 and it just, we just got on with it. I don't have to intervene. I don't have to mess. Just let it go. I thought, bloody hell, this is amazing. And it, it, it is amazing. It pulls and it pulls and it pulls. And the penalty for it pulling and pulling and pulling isn't that extreme because the fuel wasn't that far out with the other three. I've, I've tested before. Mm-hmm. I think 
driving it like I drove it at the weight I was running it at and ignoring all the, you know, the automatic bits and pieces and it, all the economy bits, I just drove it. I think it's fantastic. I think it is the most underrated thing I've been in and everybody, well, everybody, apart from those that do, everybody hates them. It's like the Renaults, it's like Marmite. Everybody, oh, cheap and nasty, oh, bag of bullets, you know, blah, blah, blah. A but lot of people that all, all hate these things will have driven... Mm. A dreadful fleet spec economy sort of spec one a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. I can guarantee you that nobody's driven the 570 mm-hmm. version. What it does flag up is that the S way is potentially very, very promising. You know, that mm. they've, sort, they've sorted out all those little um, beautiful looking thing that bits of weirdness that they had in the that they had in the Stralis. So, you know, if the, yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to be launched into the worst possible time in the UK when nobody's mm. going to be wanting to buy any new trucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've got high hopes. I've got high hopes for that. I'm still hoping. Dead seven song there, lad. Uh, Driver's seat. We're far Driver's too high. How high are you? I'm five foot 11. Six my foot. On. I'm six and foot. And the seat's too high. Imagine if it you is. were like five foot five. How do you drive yeah. that? It's it's at least four or five inches too high, and it's because you sat straight on top of that wheel arch on that curve. Well, and there's a box underneath it for storage. Aye, but it's on it like a triangular shaped box. It's wide at the front and thin at the back. It's because of the shape of the floor. There's nothing they can do to drop the seat in there. I had a, okay. I had a good look at it. I had an angle grinder. I had a team of operatives that were willing to chop it out and faff with it, but you there was nothing we could do. There's a, there's a chap that's got one in Ireland called Kenneth Ledworth, yeah. and he's had the seat lower than his. The cut base, it, was, was it? it wasn't just a map. It was um, quite no. an involved operation to go and do no. it, but it is possible. No way in that seat I could get comfortable. And I mean, it's got fore and aft adjustment, mm-hmm. lumbar supports, all the usual gubbins, top spec seat, but it's just screwed to the floor on that arch, and there's nothing and I could do. It is, especially when you're used to the like the DAF type of seat, which if you drop the air out that, you're absolutely on the floor. Yeah, the sun visor, the sun visors will not make any difference like that. And the no. um, very um, high. Oh, I'm, I'm getting this. Oh, I want to be. I should be drive. I should have been out this week in a DAF CF working, but obviously I went and put that back because of the mm. situation. If it eases in a few weeks' time, I would hopefully yeah. like to go out and do it and do my bit. But I'm still wary about it with the situation with people being in. Being, there seems to be a lot of guys that are kind of out of work. Some some haulage companies, yeah, yeah. some haulage companies haven't covered themselves in glory with this at all. You know, no, no. Motor transport's been doing a fantastic job in doing reporting on things. I tell you something that winds me up is that motor transport have got some fantastic journalists who will go and do the work and get stories. And there's a lot of websites and Facebook that just strip all their text out and post it as their own. Without yeah. sharing the article or actually crediting motor transport on it, and that's infuriating. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get somebody in the IT. I know that it's a different department to me, but I would love it if IT could like stop right clicking or something because that's content that you know that's that costs money and takes you know yeah. skill to go and do that. This is like mm-hmm. proper journalism and just go and strip it out and put it on your page. Then everybody's like, "Oh, have you seen the story on such and such website?" And I'm like, "It's not that story." Mm. Yeah, so I spend the entire week on yeah. the computer on my phone, so this is all I have. It's, uh, um, it's good to get that off your chest. Aye. What else However, I, I think our complainant, our complainant might be a bit pissed that we did that halfway through a Stralis evaluation for him that he's waited for for, for four weeks. Mm-hmm. You interrupted me when I was talking about toilets with Hubert Cumberdale. I'll arm wrestle you for it. Do you want to um, just yeah, get this... I've echo thing put to bed and then... Yes, go for it. Go continue. You bed. may continue. Yes. Thank you, sire. Thank you, <laughs> my liege. Yeah. Um, generally then, I would say it's not for me. It would be for me if it was somebody else buying it and somebody else having to fish the residuals out of it at the other end. I could work with one. Um, I'd have to grind that seat up and do something with it. The controls generally are where they want to be at the end of your arm. Cup holders are where they want to be, which is a particularly best cup holders in the business that yeah you know coffee seems to matter at the minute so cup holders matter as well um cab roll and handling is brilliant absolutely brilliant and i was surprised i thought it would lumber about like a magnum with no absolutely brilliant i could cane that round roundabouts with you know a tarmac sloughed up usually you'd be (laughs) 
you know, shuttering oh, yeah. sideways. Really sure-footed, really good on on tight curves, and there's no roll at all. Absolutely brilliant. I uh, I got a bit too big for my boots with it. When I got back in mine, I nearly turtled it because mine skips and bangs and rattles. I mean, yes, it's a twin steer, and yes, it was on three one fives on it. It was on big tyres. I had the super was, singles on the front of it. Uh, I think. It, and and the mids, it was really, really sure-footed. Oh, Amazing bit of kit for that. That coupled with acceleration, which is like being released out of a catapult at times, fantastic. Oh, that's like... Um, <laughs> and you can sort of hear it growling underneath you because it's, it, it's talky and, you know, it'll lug right down to sort of 900 and then you can just floor it and it'll pull back up and it'll go and go and go, which for the lack of capacity cylinder wise you know for such a small capacity engine that's brilliant absolutely brilliant i mean that first trip up scotland with it i mean that's my test run you know from uh, mm-hmm. bows up towards stamore at 66 i benchmark everything up there i mean at full weight mine's going up there at sort of 40 and and that thing went up there with 42 tons and it it kind of dropped to 49 50 and then that's the only time i think i gave it a, uh, a manual Half shift. See if you and did it, it at just, the bottom of the hill. If mm. you did it at the bottom of the hill on the limit or on eleventh, it would have gone right up it on the limit. Yeah. Probably the powers. I just, I just wanted to see how far she'd go, how far she'd dig in, and you know she just dug right down, and it it was amazing and quiet. And that's the bit that's kind of disconcerting because you expect it to sound ag- you know agony mm. down at nine under, <laughs> and it's just still quiet. So you don't really feel that you need to change. And then you look down, you think maybe I should have popped that a bit earlier. But anyway, the cab really is fairly well appointed, but it's it's very fleet. It's 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 kind of generic. It's like everybody else's cab. There's nothing that stands out and says, "Look at me." It's no bigger inside than Foden. If you take the engine up out, at least it's no bigger. You know, headroom and the rest of it. Um, standing room's no better. I can you know I can touch the cab at the front with my head. Um, the front lockers. A compromise by that ridiculous rake on outside wall. The tiny front lockers, tiny. There's just, I don't know why this thought. It was, it, it was when they designed it in 2002. There was a big push for aerodynamics, so that's why it's mm. got that swept roof line at the at the front of it. Um, aye, the lockers are. If you get the microwave built in at the front, it will jut out quite a bit from the the front yeah. on them. There, I do like the level of storage in it though, because you have got. There's a lot of storage compartments in it yeah. all over the place, yeah. which you find. Because um, I would find that, you know, like the Renault range key high has got a vast, vast amount more room in it. You know, it's much more spacious, but it actually does less with the space yeah. than the Stralis does. The Stralis yeah. has got more places to, to put stuff. Nah, the, um, the bunk the in that one as well. Hmm? Yeah, the underbunk storage lockers are mm-hmm. brilliant. They're massive. There's plenty of space under there, but you've four to go haven't you out externals but it's you like you know you tend to keep your kit over your head you know so you can reach in you get your wash bag out you get your towel out you get you know and and you can't really in there because there's not enough room mm. the time i've put you know a kettle and, and bits and bobs above you head it's it's all full to the front and it's ready to drop on your face when you haven't covered from from the driver's seat but oh. there's plenty of storage for Straps and chains and all that under under bunk with externals. I'll, I'll give you that one. There's no need to be, you know to be fitting external lockers on chassis unless you're that way inclined. The beds. When I think back to Iveco beds, oh. these new beds mattresses are awesome. Bloody that was marvelous. the first one I've ever experienced with a good mattress yeah. in it. All the other Stralises mm. I had, I had my Foden mattress in it. Because I, I think I mentioned it before, it was like a kind of snooker table when you were like, what would you know about lying on a snooker table? Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I that luxury mattress, um, and it's uh, no, that was that was spot on. Yeah, but it go upstairs because you'd slept downstairs, but there's no controls for night eater upstairs, is there? Uh, As I, is there? I don't know. I know no, that the controls no. are on the opposite side of the cab from where they should be. They used so to I have thought, they used to have I thought like an old Scania, like an old. One, two, four. I'd be able to go down and pull module out, take it with me and plug it in upstairs, but no, you can't. It looks like it should come out that module downstairs, but when I pulled it, old trim came off. So, my, old, my older one had that. Definitely twin controls on it. You could do the, the, the upper, because I used to sleep in the upper bunk of the old red Stralis I had Aye. until I put the folding mattress in on the bottom. Um, 
well, I tried to prise it out and it came in bits. So I put it all back together and whistled a bit and looked out the window, you know. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot with that happens a lot with any truck. I've had um, bits of plastic coming off Volvo, Scania, Renault, all the demonstrators. Everyone, there's been a bit of plastic popped out <laughs> from somewhere. Mm-hmm. You just go shove it back in again or something. Right. It um it is no way, no way as plasticky as I remember because obviously the last one I had was a Eurostar and that used to fire bits off at you, you know, you'd touch switches and the switches that follow your hand back to your, you know, back to your lap and you'd end up with a bit of plastic sitting on your mm. knee that you'd have to try and persuade back into the dashboard. But I think build quality really inside is one of the things everybody rattles on about and maybe they've not been in one lately. I don't know. Not a bad thing. Oh, the quality of it, to me, seemed as good as anything else. I mean, uh, I don't like Volvos. I'm not impressed at all by the quality of Volvos. You know, when we were down at Peterborough last year and I went, Yes. And I clamped out with your mate from Volvo in that big 750. I thought, top-end truck like this, and it, it it just looks like a maestro inside. I, I don't know. Anyway. And a, that the right problem out. with fleet trucks is you go and get, oh, it's, a, it's an Iveco, mm. I don't want to drive this. And everybody, it gets passed between loads of drivers, and they all like, if you gave them a Scania V8, they would be treating it, you know, with... Yeah. It would be treated with reverence and be like, oh, let's keep this. And they get the Iveco and they go and slam the doors mm. on it all the time. They go and like knock. People don't care about them and then the truck gets rougher and rougher. And then people are like, look at the state of this. And that's been the case for a long time with fleet trucks going back many, many years. Mm. You know, they just, mm. but I mean, overall, I would say the Strata, for my opinion, it's very, very underrated. It has got its flaws yeah. in the mm. S way has got the potential to be something something quite special. Yeah. But I don't know how, how soon we're going to see them, you know, because the uh-huh. right-hand drive production was only just gearing up and they may well have decided, well, we sell yeah. about, we don't sell that many at the moment in right-hand yeah. drive markets, so we'll just go and um, hold off. I don't know exactly. Dying to get my hands on one, you know, that would be... Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't imagine there's going to be... Much coming our way for demo purposes for the next few months, is it? Um, so this yeah, is probably to be honest, to be honest with you, it would probably been not. It probably wouldn't have been that much of a problem because you've got a lot of new trucks coming out there that nobody can do mm. anything with. I'd put a proposal into Iveco about doing something with the S-Way and testing it for a couple of weeks and running it all over the country. Yeah, and Volvo are going to be sitting on demo trucks that they need to get out and about to people so you know well you never know because nobody can you can't have conventional press events and things like that so no 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 your options are you know get hand them out to go and mm. work them i'm just uh, i would like to go i would quite like to get back out yeah. and do something when the time is right i'm going to take mm. a week's holiday once the deadline's away yeah and basically just go and like work outside the front of the house in my vehicles because i've been working in my vehicle daily recovery truck things yeah, out in the driveway I've had for a long time so mm-hmm. what it comes down to all this is would I buy it and I know you said weeks ago that you know the compounds full of these things and you know there's deals to be done and all the rest of it but I've thought about it and I've thought about it in a not very sort of gobshitish and controversial way I've thought about it in a level way mm. for a change because obviously I'm mellowing the answer still has to be no I think and I, th- I think it's simply, potentially a contract hired job. It's no, because I simply don't like it. I'll grant you that the balance sheet matters when you're making decisions, but an owner-driver, you're fortunate enough usually to be able to buy something that turns you on, you know, that you're going to have to live with. And, and you're not going to get a new truck in a couple of years like you would do if you work for a big company. You're going to be stuck with this thing for five years. And if every morning when you pull into the yard and get out to car and you look at it and you think oh god that's mm. that's pretty much what i need to get me to drive to the yard in the morning thinking that she'll be there cabs exactly. warm, on, and you know fire her up and upset the neighbors while i build her up with stacks and all mm. i'd miss all that but out of all of them this year i can't really put more than a sheet of paper between any of them renault scan you all that i mean scan you seem to be best put together best thought out best designed it's like they actually sort of asked the driver or two what they thought and what they might want whereas Renault, i've got some guy called philippe or something to come in and do his swish prada style design job on it and oh look at this this is the you know, this is very gallic and very oh, marvelous but 
you know, practicality-wise, it's terrible. There's nowhere to put out. You can just sit there on your throne mm. in the middle of a flat floor and watch all your belongings disappear onto a passenger door when you go round and round about. Not ideal. Scania, and I'm not a big cheerleader for Scania, to be fair, because previous in- incarnations of them have crippled me. But she was a fine tool, but then she was £35,000 dearer than the other two. So I, I really don't know. I think if money were no object and somebody else were going to buy it for me, Mm. I'd uh, I'd have a scan your yard tomorrow, but after that, yeah. I think that big Renault would be in. If they can yeah. promise me a new steering column as they've done, then I'd have I, that Renault without be, thinking. I'd be curious to see what the I mean the five seventy XP's been out a bit now, so I'd be mm. curious to see what sort of contract hire deals you could get on the sort of twenty fifteen sort of sixteen one. I mean, if I was if I had gone out and been an owner driver in twenty eighteen and all being all being well, I was looking to upgrade my truck at some point. Would I? Consider, I, I don't know. I'm just that hell bent on having a manual gearbox and something. Eh? Yeah. Um, if I was working for somebody and they said, "Do you want a five? Do you want a Stralis? I would take it no, without any hesitation. Wouldn't bother me in the slightest. But yeah. Well, that uh, Scania and Daff, you can still sort of spec a manual, can't you? But there's been uh, a lot of gearbox issues with Scania, haven't there, since 2017 with those uh, uh, those S lines? Yeah. Been a lot of you can only yeah. get the R cab and the Scania. Uh, R cabs, mm. some R cabs, like the fleet spec ones, look tiny, and then you get one. Yeah. You get one that's yeah. on like it must be. You get one that's on the timber with a tag axle, and it must mm. with super singles and the high chassis height, and it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks brilliant, and it looks really yeah. weird because I look at when I'm driving down the road, you look at them and you're like, "Is that a G cab?" <laughs> yeah, you're counting bars on on Kind-a front to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying some R cabs look like S's. I don't know how they do it, but they look brilliant. Um, I'd have one, certainly, but it's um, it's a fear of spending dosh. But that Renault, I think I'll always regret not buying that. You know, I could have... Well, I've done I all, like, all things... You I could have learned to do you know, Pilates you know. and stuff, so I could have been more supple, so I could drive it. You know, I could oh, have well, had a spinal you know, curvature. It's good, the, it's good. I think it's, it's worked out for the best that you, you held on to the, the food in there anyway. You definitely. know, it's, there's definitely more chapters in that saga. There is. You know, I, and I, definitely, I now with it, you know, the ultra low emission zones being kicked down the road that's brilliant news for the rough old motors like mine so we can uh, we can have another 12 months perhaps do you see my facebook memories that came up yesterday it was the the um my phone when i'd spent the day polishing it and taking all yeah most of the sign writing off and it looks fantastic in the pictures and i'm like oh mm. i was cut i was like god i, I dread take the batteries will be completely flat dead on it it'll be do you know where it is have you seen it in the last six months yeah it's a long ridge at uh, rocks off gravels up at scott milieu's just oh, right. sitting there doing um nothing if this sort of eases off a bit i'll go up and get the i'll have to go and get the uh, batteries charged up on it because i was about to send it away down to davy civil just to get it mot prepped because i i do I, I do uh, i do miss it it's um, a big mm. A big lump of something I've sitting around doing, doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like I've got an idea to go and do. Because speaking to Stavros on his video thing, and he was wanting to do a video, and I said, right, Stuart Oliver's got his dad's Cavalier that's been sitting on a hedge since two thousand and three. So I was like, right, I'll go and borrow a trailer, and we'll go and take the Foden down, and he can lift this Cavalier out a hedge in the undergrowth and we'll go and put it on the trailer and we'll take it back and that'll make <laughs> that'll make an entertaining video but I want to I want to be like part director of it I want to get the smokestack at dusk when it starts and then cut to a picture of the radiator and then let the gear linkage moving into gear and then I shot the prop shaft <laughs> <laughs> oh cabin fever marvellous oh. contemplating writing some Smokey and the Bandit fan fiction. You know, you get people that go and write like alternative stories to like popular series because I don't know what took my fancy this week, but I decided to go and grab 120 pictures of Smokey and the Bandit 2 because I, I'm stuck in the house all the time, you know. And I hate yes. that. That film is so bad. Well. I'm going to write an objective analysis of it, but I was thinking I as can't well, comment. I've not seen it. You've not seen Smokey and the Bandit 2? Nope. If you want a tip, just go and jump forward to about an hour and 20 minutes and that's where they have the big smash up with 100 police cars and all the trucks in the desert. And it's just an amazing stunt show. Five-year-old me thought it was the best thing in the world ever. But as I grew older and began to like understand films and plot and things, I was like, this is dreadful. And I went back through it and kind of took a load of notes on it for everything. And I'm like, this is so 
it frustrates me because, in my opinion, Smokey and the Bandit is the greatest film ever made. As we've mentioned yeah. it before. And it wouldn't have been difficult to make the second one like half decent. And they just you know, let's make the Bandit um, an alcoholic narcissist. Ugh. I've got all this to come, you see, at Christmas when they finally trot out Top Gun 2. You see, Top Gun's mine. I think it's the best thing that's ever been made. I don't know if it's the homoerotic undertones of oiled up beach volleyball or what. I don't know what it is. I can't comment. I just love Top Gun. I think it's brilliant. So I'm waiting for December to either be orgasmic or suicidal because they've ruined it. I don't know. Just we'll start calling you Maverick. Aye. I'll high five you and uh, request permission to buzz your tower and things of that nature if you want but mm. I'm glad I I'm glad I grew up when I did, when I just got that golden era of the eighties of all the car chase films mm. and being I think like my generation was the last ones that could get you would just disappear for the day in the summer holidays. You'd leave the house at ten o'clock in the morning and the mother would be like Aye. dinner's at half past five and then you mm. would just disappear and nobody would know where you were because you'd be up at the barn on the street yeah. uh, like you know building a dam or like disappearing on your bike somewhere nobody would know where you are and i don't think anybody's got, nobody's got that kind of freedom 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 anymore. freedom what's glad freedom I, glad i glad i caught the end of the end of all that but i was you know with school or work there were no there were no freedom lad no freedom no you were either chasing bloody dairy cows up and down when you were at school and, and summer just meant that you used to chase dairy cows up and down in shorts and wellies as opposed to jeans, thermals, overalls and wellies, that were all. You know it was summer because mm. you had green legs from cow shit. Mm. Yeah. We didn't have much, but we were happy. <laughs> school was, I didn't mind school. School was, uh, school was um, all right. I think what annoyed me was my birthday's in January, so I was one of the youngest ones in the year. Snap. And I was obviously obsessed with vehicles, obsessed with cars. I would buy Auto Trader every Thursday and go and look through Auto Trader and like think about what car I was going to mm. get. And in my mind, I was going to get this minted Nova 1.3 SR with TSW Stealth on it and Rockford Fosgate subs and all this kind of uh, stuff. And as it turned out, I got a Nova 1.2 Diamond, which um, mm. I promptly wrecked. Not like I wrote it I off, I just like progressively ran it into the ground. But all my friends at school got their driving licenses before I did, which yeah. was like, I just, that was such a frustrating and difficult time because you'd get like all the, you know, yeah. like kids whose mum and dad would go and buy them a car and then they couldn't drive it and didn't know anything about it. And I was absolutely hmm. obsessed. My old boy were a driving instructor, so I passed my test on my 17th birthday in Hickman Wyke and examiner kept me out for an hour because he knew that I was my dad's <laughs> lad. And he just took me everywhere. It was market day in Dewsbury. He took me through the middle of Dewsbury and round Alt Market Square and round here and round there the bastard. He ran me all over. Anyway, he passed me. And then as a special reward, my dad bought me a Viva. Cheers, oh, Dad. Mm. That's all right. Really, Viva? That's... Yeah, about okay. 175 was it, was it like quid basic, Viva. Was it the basic one with a ruler speedometer on it? Mm. Yeah, it was mostly gold with some brown amorite bits on it. And it it was all right, I suppose, if you like Vivas. And it, about day two, it stopped, just stopped. And I thought, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, it managed, that wiring loom had unclipped itself from bulkhead and wrapped around UJ on the steering column. And it had just essentially slowly winched all wiring from all four corners of car into engine. <laughs> that was the end of that. So then, as a, as a punishment for ruining Viva, he bought me a Skoda Estelle, Super Estelle. Oh. And it, and it was a sporty one because it was orange and it had some alloys on it and it had a rubber thing stuck on engine cover at back that looked a little bit like a spoiler might do in Czechoslovakia. And it was weird because you've got that massive boot at the front with that side opening grand piano bonnet and you've got no weight at front at all. So it used to wander about, it used to get to about 60 and it used to float about like you were in a, in a rowing boat. And that expired going to see my brother at uni in York on A64, that boiled and shot radiator cap off and it dented boot lid it came off with such force it, it sort of punched under boot lid and dented that so that died horribly and then we got an ha van and i never looked back after that a bedford ha van what a tool that one that's why i've, I've got that one in six thousand bits at minute that we're pretending to do it mm. and, had it 11 years now can't be much to an, an ha van they're pretty simple the ice cream van around here is an ha it's like triggers, everything, broom. everything on HA is a one-off 
in so much as you think, oh, it'll be the same as an HA Viva. No, it ain't nothing. Front no, suspension setup. <laughs> Front suspension setups. The queerest looking thing you've ever seen with a transverse leaf spring under engine side side to side. It's one spring, and then you've got these like two sets of arms and eight bushes. And these bushes, nobody makes. Poly bush, nobody. Um, there used to be like a drag racing street drag type crew and they used to use these front subframes to put into their rear wheel drive constructions and he used to do some bushes for them but he's, he stopped so basically the whole project came to a shuddering halt and I thought right we're going to have to break it for bits because parts are worth a fortune because everything's like I said it's it's a one-off and then this bloke just piped up eventually and said you're not going to sell these bushes, are you? I says, no, no. I says, well, I've got some. I says, I've got two sets I bought at Billing Aquadrome in 1991. Billing, I used and to go Billing every year. So we got powder-coated front subframes built up. Everything's built up mechanically. It's just waiting for an engine oil pump and waiting for some bloody time to get on and finish body. All welding's done. Wings are on. Floors are done. Sills are done. It's. I've got a full set of new doors for it. I've got three good bonnets. It's all there. It's just... We need this oil pump engine back and then some time mm. because the welding that's been done has been done by a man who plainly doesn't weld often. Mm. So there's going to be a hell of a lot with a flapper disc taking tops off these mountains of weld and then filling in gaps and the rest of it. But the money they're fetching now, I'm glad I kept it. I was going to break it for spares and sell it ages ago, but I'm glad I've kept it because I won't be able to buy another one for under seven, eight grand. No, everything from the, that era is mm. expensive now. All kind of retro cars are getting expensive. My mate's trying to build a Cavalier at the moment, uh, my yeah. Mark III Cavalier, which is a car which is worth nothing and not that long ago. Oh, no. And it's yeah. actually hard to get It's hard to get bits for them. You know, people have realised the value of things. So a steering yeah. wheel that used to be 20 quid now, 120 quid and, mm. and, and so on. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I've got the ones that I've got because... Well, maybe they're yeah. tangible assets. Should I ever need to sell them if I ever want to go and move to Scandinavia or something? You know, somewhere random. Yeah, you know, just Scandinavia just dropped into your yes, you know, dropped into your mind. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I'm going to do this one in David Brown tractor service van colours of the period. Yeah, 1979. Yeah. Proper service it, van stuff. Yeah. I'm going to paint it old English white, and then we're going to wrap it in David Brown colours because it were grey, white, and black. Um, yes, and then David Brown. Definitely. With Telex number on side for Meltham Factory. Ooh. Yes. And then if I decide to sell it or I decide that I've fallen out with David Browns, I can just take all the vinyl off. Sounds good, that does. Mm-hmm. Kids want me to do it in Madison's. Oh, no, Madison's. Hauliers and Carters to the gentry or whatever. But, you know, we've only been going 15 years, so it'd be a bit disingenuous to, you know, to kev up an old van in our colours. So I, yeah. I'm going to stick with David Brown. And then yeah, I'll like, be able to. Like a good idea, a good project, that. Be able to get me period warehouseman's brown coat on and a clipboard and some pens in my top pocket and go loiter at vintage weekends and talk to other people that are strange. Absolutely. Hello, Brian. I spoke, there's, like, there's an electrician from down Bedford way that uses an HA van. I remember speaking to him at Billing Aquadrome when I used to go there every year for Total Vauxhall. And he was like, oh, he was really taken aback and over the moon that I, I was so interested mm. in it. And I was like, yeah, but it's so rare, it's unique. There's, yeah. There's a field full of Chevette HSAs and Droops and yeah. Frenzes over there. So this is only this came from Bedfordshire when I bought this one. It's Vauxhall, you know, that's like the Vauxhall hardcore. The home country mm. is that, Bedfordshire. You go down there and you'll see loads of them knocking about that you would never see in other parts of the country. Yeah, there's one or two up there around. There's a lad at Wakefield, he's got a BT one and it's perfect. It's got the 300,000 tonne roof rack on it that that BT vans used to have on as well. Mm. Proper proper bit of kit, that. Have you put engines in yours? Have you seen the... the, Somebody had sent me up... Oh, it was on Twitter. Somebody posted up the brochure of the HA van and the standard engine's got like 41 horsepower because, you know, Mm. just a simple... 1275 in this one, but it's three bearing, so... There's two different versions of that engine. And yeah, there's an economy that, version which has got 25 horsepower. That's that low compression thing, isn't it? Can you can you imagine? Oh, 25, <laughs> 25 brake. They were only good for about 30,000 and then they needed rebuilding because they were three bearing and they used to just scrub big ends oh. out. This ran like a Swiss watch when we 
fetched it. It, it really did. It was quiet. It started. It was marvellous. And then when we dived into engine and saw there was no metal anywhere, there was no white metal. It was just, how did this thing run? But you're it, it a, did. You're putting it back in it? Yeah, yeah. Same engine's going back in. It's all uh, new rings and, and rest of it. It's just a lad that were rebuilding engine for me in his spare time has managed to lose oil pump. I don't know how you lose an oil pump in a closed garage, but he's lost it and we can't get one at the minute. We're struggling, so... Oh, there you go. Let's put a shout out to the, the, right. the listeners. Anybody got an oil pump for a Bedford HA? It's, it, yeah, it's <laughs> late twelve seventy five. It's in a V ridge, so yeah. Late twelve seventy. Is it twelve seventy five? Is it twelve fifty six in them? No. Twelve fifty six. Yeah, I'm thinking of bloody minis there. Yeah, yeah twelve fifty six. Aye. Aye. Um, well, they must be able to get one of it. Is it the same? Is it broadly the same engine as what's in the Chevette and the Vivo? Which there's that many variations of this engine with different oil pump drives. Mm. I think there's four different setups. It's a bloody nightmare. I've got all the dealer service folder here with all spec for it, all different models and oh man, I tell you, buying parts is messy. It really is. Main bearings, big ends, you know, it locating caps. Mm-hmm. Different years have got caps in different places. It's all right. Fast. Wonderful. I would be tempted if there was a lot of bother to go and get an entire engine from a Chevette. If if it came down to that, no, I like to have everything as it should be. Like that, that uh, David Brown seven seventy that I did. The engine was absolutely screwed. It was it was beyond screwed. It had been sitting in a field with cylinder laid at the side of its head were pitted, and block were pitted. We had to skimp block and head, and then shim it back out. I wanted original engine number in tractor. It had been you know two hundred and fifty quid to get a reasonable three cylinder engine to nail in, but I wanted original in, so we did. Yeah. That now resides in Ayrshire. The chap that has a big um, hairspray type, you know, all this sort of gubbins. There's a company in Glasgow that's all hairspray and pharmaceuticals and makeup and that. Mm. He worked on a farm for 10 minutes when he was a lad. And obviously Mm. now he's um, able to buy all his fantasy David Brown. So he's got one from 770 right up through range in these stables at his house. Fantastic setup. I delivered it for him and had a look. Good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Rubbing my thighs right. again. On that note, right, I to go to the pub office because it's Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> you go. You go to the pub. I'm going to go out and um, go and go through about 600 pictures of trucks for this poster. Am uh, I on it? Uh, I don't know. Have you submitted a picture? I did right at the beginning. Uh, oh. Well then, probably. Mm. Right, I shall catch up with you next week. I'll give children something to fight over them, won't it? If there's one poster per magazine and they can... Uh... I want it. I, I want it. Uh-huh. Right, I'll catch you later. Hi, try not to go any more insane. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.